Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Thank you for joining us again as we continue this series, You Asked For It. Now, if you're new here this morning, you may say, well, that's kind of an odd title uh, for a sermon series, You Asked For It. Well, if you remember, for those who have been here for a while, last fall we asked if you had any questions about, you know, maybe questions about the Bible, questions of things that are happening in our culture, in our world. And, and I said we would kind of address the top most asked questions. And in week one, we looked at the question, what's my purpose? Like, why am I even here? Is there a purpose for my life? Week two, uh, we kind of looked at some lifestyle issues, you know, essentials versus non-essentials. And, and then last week, we, we, we tried to look at that question that's been asked for thousands of years, by the way. Why do bad things happen? Or maybe we could phrase it this way. Why does a good God allow bad things to happen? to good people. And this week, we're going to continue with another question. Here's the question that was asked. How can you say that Jesus is the only way? Is that not rude, arrogant, and judgmental? I mean, it seems so exclusive to say he is the only way. And maybe you're here this morning uh, who asked this question. Or maybe even as a Christian, you are thinking, well, you know, I know I, I believe in Jesus. I know I'm going to heaven, but I can I really say He's the only way? Um, a friend of mine, who goes to uh, what we would consider a mega church in the states, about five six thousand people, they did a survey of their congregation, and they were, the survey was asking about Jesus. Is Jesus the only way? Uh, they they assumed that the vast majority would say, yeah, He's the only way, and it came back that forty percent of their congregation said, I'm not too sure. He certainly is one of the ways, but I'm not too sure he's the only way. And so they decided to go back to the very basics about who Jesus is. And so we're going to try to deal with that question. How can we say he's the only way? I mean, it does kind of maybe sound a little arrogant for us to say. Some people put it this way. Don't all roads lead to God? I mean, that kind of stuff sounds pretty good. It sounds it's pretty popular, actually. In, in our population today. Some would even say, well, don't all religions basically teach, you know, the same thing? I mean, don't all religions have a, a little piece of the truth? Uh, I want to be able to affirm, you know, uh, the religions, and maybe I don't accept everything that they do, but I want to be able to affirm. You know, some people will, will even say, well, if, if people are sincere, though, I mean, shouldn't that make it uh, okay? Well, won't people be okay? And when we say that, I mean, honestly, it sounds good. It sounds attractive. You know, some people would say, well, I mean, God, um, God knows our hearts. And, and I think good people are going to be okay. I mean, this is all really very hopeful stuff. I, I can fully understand why this is so appealing. You know, some of these uh, statements. That it feels good. It feels nice. Uh, uh, you know, we, we get to affirm people. And, um, and, and who doesn't want to be a nice person? Right? I, I, I get it. No, no one wants to be that uh, arrogant, you know, unkind, judgmental person. And, and, and I think that's why the world gets irritated at maybe a biblical perspective of Christianity. And, and so maybe for some of you here today, these are the statements that kind of run through your head. Uh, the, the statements, they, they sound hopeful. It says everybody's going to be okay. Right? I mean, isn't that encouraging? To think that everybody has hope. 
That's why it makes these uh, statements so attractive. Nobody wants to hear about pending uh, judgment. In our culture and society, it's all about tolerance, and tolerance is like affirming people and what they believe. I mean, isn't that the wise thing to do? Isn't that the smart, the educated thing to do? I mean, these are all magnets that kind of draw people into this kind of thinking that all roads lead to God. So, you know, if you're sincere, then you're okay. Because everybody's going to be okay in the end. And so when you think of some of those statements, like all roads lead to God, I mean, it sounds good at first. But then maybe we take a few minutes to try to analyze, huh, what is actually being said there? Is there any truth? Can truth be established in some of these statements that have been made? It sounds good at first, but then you begin to think about them maybe a little bit more, a little deeper, and you think, do these statements actually hold up? All roads lead to God. In other words, right, no matter what your religion is, you're going to get to God. No matter what path you take, you're going to end up with God. You'll be successful in whatever um, journey that you find yourself on. You're going to be to make it to God, right? Mormonism, you'll get to God. Jehovah's Witnesses, you'll get to God. Islam, you'll get to God. Christianity, you'll get to God. Um, you know, Jesus is the way. Buddha is the way. Hinduism is the way. Whatever way you take, it's going to get you. Sounds good. It certainly does. But if we are going to sincerely believe this to be true, that all roads, that all religions um, lead to God, then we've got to consider everything, like everything. So you got to think about that statement, all roads? So, so thinking that all roads lead to God is like really in many ways living in a fantasy land to say all roads lead to God, all religions, right? So when someone says that to you, or maybe you're asking that question, my follow-up question would be, well, what, what's, what's your evidence for that? Like, how have you come to that conclusion? Like, what's the proof that you are basing those ideas, that all roads, you know, if you're sincere, like, what, what do you base that on? You know, what, for what you believe. See, this is where I really believe Christianity shines, because this is where you can point to evidences, like the resurrection of Jesus, eyewitnesses, uh, prophecies of the Bible. I mean, you know, hundreds and hundreds of prophecy. I mean, you imagine a prophecy 750 years before Jesus was born to say that he'd be born of a virgin and tell the specific town, little village that he'd be born in. Uh, I think some of the evidences would be the fact that the Bible, the unity of the Bible, written over 1,500 years by 40 different authors, and yet it's, it's all unified over that. I like how one man put it. He said, Christianity is verified by public revelation and not by private imagination. So to say that all religions basically teach the th same thing, I'd, I'd have to ask, well, how, how do you know that? Because all religions actually don't teach the same thing. They are fundamentally different in what they teach. And what's so interesting is no one really debates the existence of God. Right? Scholars aren't debating, well, was he alive? Did he, you know, was he here on earth? Like, the vast majority don't argue whether Jesus 
existed. And the majority of people, I think, I, I really think it's true, the majority of people, I think, actually like what Jesus said. Like, look out for the poor. You know, feed the poor. Love others. Be generous. Forgive those who hurt you. I mean, you could hate Christianity, but like what Jesus said. So why is it then that people get so upset when Jesus is brought into the conversation? Well, it's because of his exclusive claims that he makes of who he is. That's when people's chains get a, a, a little rattled. In John chapter 14, Jesus is describing heaven, and he says he's going to go, but he's going to come back. And he's telling this to his disciples, and Thomas breaks forth, well, well how, where were you going? How do, how, how do we know how to get there? We don't know how to get there. And Jesus says, yeah, you do. No, Thomas, I, I don't know how to get there. And then this is what Jesus says. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Boom! There it is. That's what separates Jesus from all the religions of the world. It's a pretty exclusive statement that Jesus makes there. No one, like you said, no one comes to the Father but through me. He doesn't say, I'm one of the ways to the Father. Uh, his statement is not, you know, a little cloudy, a little fuzzy. It's not a little uncertain. I mean, it's easy to understand. You, you know exactly what he is saying in this statement. That's what causes heads to turn. What did you say? He says, I am the way, the truth, and life. And no one, no one will come to the Father but through me. And so when you look at all the world religions of the world, we may say that, well, some of the religions have some truth. Yeah, it's possible. They could have some pieces of truth. And there may be even some good things that are in some of the religious teachings. But they are not the same. Consider what Jesus did while he's living here on earth. In Mark chapter 2, it says, When the teachers of the law who were prophecy, saw him eating, who's him? Jesus, with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he, why does Jesus eat with sinners and tax collectors? Like, why is he doing that? Well, certainly these religious leaders wouldn't be caught dead with any kind of contact with those kind of people. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, it's but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous and all the good people. No, 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 no. I've come for the sinners. I mean, he came for people like you and people like me who just can't get it right. And Jesus loved those that everybody else despised and rejected and hated. Those who, whose religion rejected Jesus. That's who Jesus reached out to. When a woman was caught in adultery, remember that story, and everybody said, stone the woman, throw it, or I'll kill her. And then it was, a, it was a mob of people yelling that. And Jesus says, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Like, throw the, 
Throw the stones, those who have no sin. Go ahead. And it says that nobody threw a stone. In fact, it says they dropped their stones and quietly walked off. This mob of people. And then Jesus goes up to this very broken woman and says to her, I forgive you. Now go and sin no more. Consider the ministry of Jesus. He healed the lame, the leopards, those who nobody would ever even get close to. He healed the blind, the deaf. He turned water into wine, which is still hard for some of us Baptists to wrestle through. But some of you, some of you were addicted to alcohol. But because of the ministry of Jesus, your life has radically changed. Some of you were, were, were really addicted to, to drugs. But because of the ministry of Jesus, you've been set free. Uh, some of you, you know, your life was, you know, sleep with a different girl every weekend. But because of the ministry of Jesus, your life was transformed. Something amazing happened. See, that's the miracle of the ministry of Jesus. I mean, consider his power, his miracles, his, his ministry. He, he just didn't come for the righteous. He came for people like you and me. Broken people. He didn't come for healthy. The fact is, I am a miracle of the ministry of Jesus. Because I was once, can you I, Donald Collar, was once an enemy of God. But because of the ministry of Jesus, my life has been transformed. Consider, would you, for just a moment, the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus, born of a virgin, did not inherit a sinful nature from his earthly father. He was without sin, and that is the only reason why he could even go to the cross. He became sin for us. You understand that statement? He had no sin, but he became sin for us. For us. On the cross, imagine, on the cross, creation mocking him. Creation mocking the creator, if you can imagine. And at that moment when they had done their worst, when they, they had beaten him to be unrecognizable, when they, when they drove spikes into his hands and into his feet, and, and then they hung him on that instrument of torture, Jesus looks up to heaven and says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. What? You think about that. That's Jesus. They don't even know what they're doing. Then he said, it's finished. I'm done. I did it. I commit my spirit into your hands, Lord. It says, the Bible says, the earth went dark and it trembled and when it was dark and trembled, even the centurion who was given the responsibility to execute Jesus looks up and finally says, surely this must have been the Son of God. Three days later, that stone was rolled away and there was no body. 
Peter says it this way. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this. The fact is, there were eyewitnesses. I saw him when he was alive. I saw him die, but then I saw him again. Remember the story, the one disciple who, who just really doubted, like the others had seen Jesus, but there was one. Remember? Thomas. He said, nope, I'm not going to believe it. I don't care what you say. I don't believe it. You must, have saw a goat. you must have saw something different. He says, I actually won't believe unless I see it with my own eyes. Unless I touch the nail prints in his hands, I will not believe it. And then guess what? Jesus appears to Thomas. And then you know what Thomas does? He becomes the great evangelist, the great missionary to the country of India. And there, his life was threatened. It was there that they told Thomas to deny Jesus. And he says, how can I deny Jesus? I saw him with my own eyes. I actually, I actually saw him. I mean, he was dead, but I actually saw him. And because he wouldn't deny, you know what they did? They took a spear and they thrust it through his body. There were eyewitnesses. Consider, consider the message of Jesus. Uh, that message of, of, of eternal consequences, right? Romans 3, 22 says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus. And that is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. I love that statement. No matter who you are. No matter what your past is, no matter how you have badly you have messed up your life over and over and over again, we are made right with God by placing our faith and our trust in Jesus who died for our sins and rose again. No matter how dark your world is right now, anyone, like anyone, <laughs> that means anyone, life can be transformed can be made right with God. Christianity really is Christ plus nothing. It is Christ alone that our sins are forgiven. It's Christ alone that we have this new life. It's Christ alone that we have been made a, a new creation. It's Christ alone that we get to experience the grace and the mercy of God. See, religion, we talk about world religion, religion really is, it's all about me. It's about us. It's, it's about how we perform. You know, how I have to, and you add whatever you want, how I have to clean up my act, how I've got to stop doing all the bad stuff, how I'm supposed to pull myself together. See, Jesus never came to start a religion. He came so that we may know who God is. This loving, kind, compassionate, gracious, merciful God. See, religion says, I have to do so God will love me. I have to be good enough, by the way, bears the question, how good is good enough for God to accept you and love you? I mean, I have to perform so God will love me. If I obey God, then I know he will love me. But relationship, see, this is the difference between religion and relationship. Relationship says, because God loves me, he accepts me. 
because God loves me, I actually want to obey. God doesn't love you because of what you do. He loves you because of who he is. Think about this statement. I, I heard this statement maybe 10 years ago. I just I find it amazing when I think about it, the truth of it. There is nothing, there is nothing that you can do that would cause God to love you more. Can you imagine that? There's nothing that you can do that would cause God to love you more, and there's nothing you can do that would cause God to love you less. God loves you because of who he is, not because of who we are. Religion, you spell it D-O. Relationship, you spell it D-O-N-E. Huge difference between do and done. So for just this moment, would you consider Jesus? For this moment in time, Maybe these statements that we read earlier, you resonate with. Maybe they've always been like, yeah, I've always kind of wondered if, you know, maybe we're all going to get there someday. I've always thought maybe if we're sincere that we'd make it. I, I kind of thought we all thought the same thing. And, and, and maybe even as a Christian, you wrestle with that idea that when you go to share your faith. How can I be, doesn't it come across that I'm really arrogant and rude if I say Jesus is the only way? It's possible you wrestle with those questions. And so this morning, consider Jesus. And consider his life on this earth. Consider his resurrection. And consider his eternal message that he offers to all the world. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com.